once again, welcome to Christ Central Church. Great to see you. Greetings to those who are joining us online, whether that's our live stream or those who are watching later on YouTube. My name's Joe Crummy, and today this will be the first time I am speaking as a 50-year-old. So it's a special day. It's a special day. So thank you to all those who uh, sent through your birthday greetings and wishes. And it's a humbling thing turning 50. We were with the Fuel group last night, our youth group, and we had a fun time bowling, and I can still walk this morning, so that's good. And um, where's Claire McGuigan? Is she here? Where's Claire? Or is she upstairs helping? Claire gave me this great compliment. We are talking about my birthday and turning 50, and Claire delivered like the perfect line with the most straight face ever. She's like, you're only 50? She nailed it. It was great. So thank you for all the sarcasm as well about turning another year um, older. I just feel like there's two good things about turning 51. I get to qualify for another age group for hockey, for tournaments. The old timers just keeps going. And I'm becoming more and more qualified to actually be an elder as I get older as well. So those are two good things. All right, question as we start. And uh, how many high school students do we have here this morning? If you're in high school, grade 10, 11. So I'll put those hands up nice and high so I can see them. Luke McGuigan, well done. I did not know you were in high school, man. Everyone else is aging faster as well. All right, any university students? Do we have any university students? Katie, I see you. Thank you down here. Okay, do we have any who are in grade 12 this year? Aiden, is that you? I see you. And I know we've got Noah. He's serving upstairs. Who else do we have over here? We've got some sort of... Georgia, thank you. I couldn't see you in the spotlight. That's exciting. Isaiah, I believe, is graduating. We might have a few others. So this is my graduation hat. This is from, this is actually my hat from university from 1995. The 95 is still on there. I was only five years old when I graduated. <laughs> I was a child prodigy, but anyways. So, Georgia, if Noah's here, Aiden, I'm sure, and if you're graduating from university, what is like the number one question you get asked this whole year? What are you gonna do? Next. What are you doing next? And it might go something like this, you know, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Man, that's a lot of pressure. I mean, most of us ask it with things here. We're like, Joy, what are you doing next year? And like, what are you going to do? But man, that's tough to answer, isn't it? That's like a lot of expectation, a lot of, you know, you've got pressure, you've got excitement, you've kind of got a little bit of fear, some anxiety, unknown. And deep down, there's this sense of, I want my life to count. And I think all of us at different points have that, no matter what age we're at. I want my life to count. I want my life to you know, be purposeful and meaningful and impacting. I want to do something with my life that will last forever. And I just saw the latest stats from Gen Z, and they did this whole thing about what's most important for that Gen Z generation. One of the most important things was, I want my life to count for something. No matter what our gifts are, our calling, our careers, our future, I think all of us at different times have a longing to say, like, I want to contribute to life. I want to add something to this world. I want my life to be meaningful. And those are good things. And I believe a lot of those things are actually from God. 
But here's the question. How does that get answered by our current society and the world that we live in? So if I were to say to you and to maybe your friends and if I went to the university or maybe the high school and say, how would you define that your life is meaningful, that you're going to contribute to society, that it's going to be purposeful? What do you think some of the answers might be? You can just shout them out. Wealth, probably number one. Money, wealth. What else? Say it out. Job, vocation, career, and probably what sort of career might be better? One that makes a lot of money. <laughs> What else? How, how would you say, look, if you're to survey people, what is going to make a meaningful, impactful, sustainable life like? How are you going to contribute? Micah, over here. Oh, you're jumping ahead to my answer, but I like it. We're going to come back to it. Things we're going to do for God. Okay, hold that for one second. Anybody else? Influence, power. How many people want to be an influencer? And however that might get described. Those are a lot of the things. These are the things I had written down. Influencer. People, important position. Experience life. Some people like meaningful. I want to experience life. Success, whether that be through sports, music, whatever. Become famous, power, reputation. And some of those things aren't even bad desires. But here's the fact. And this is always not good at a graduation speech, okay? This is the anti-graduation speech. The reality is, for most of us, guess what? We're not going to be famous. We're not going to be great influencers. We're not going to be rich. We're not going to be high in government. All those different things. So is there any hope for the rest of us? Now, don't get me wrong, and I talked about this a few weeks ago. We talked about how God, Jesus, is a worker, and how we work and how our work, no matter what it is, is important. And we believe, so hear me, we believe we want Christians, Christ followers, to influence every aspect of society. And so we need people in all kinds of different roles and positions to influence society and culture. And so we have one right in our midst, so Kim Fenwick, who is currently acting president of St. Thomas University. You can, yeah, I think that's worthy of saying, well done, Kim. And we believe God's put her there. And all through the years since she's been at St. Thomas, and we've seen her bring influence and bring kingdom values and culture, and we believe God's got her in a place. And we need people like Kim in important roles and positions. Absolutely. But not all of us are going to be in that role and position. And some of us are going to say, you know what? We might disqualify ourselves. And we might be happy for Kim, but we're like, you know, I, I, I'm not really doing anything can we have a meaningful contributing impacting influencing life even though we might be a nobody <laughs> i love it <laughs> yes absolutely all right how do we how do we have an impacting influencing life even if we're nobody here's what we're getting back to micah's answer we're going to take a look at in a moment Mark chapter 10. But before we do, let me give the context for it. So Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. It's towards the end of his earthly ministry. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And if we read, if we had time to read the whole thing, 
this is the context. Jesus has just been given some really upside-down teaching on what it is to follow God. And so these are some of the things. He said this. He said, in order for you to receive the kingdom of God, which was a big deal in his day, Jesus said this, you have to become like a little child. And everybody was going like, what? And then a rich young ruler came to him and said, Jesus, I've been following everything. Like, what's the key? And Jesus said this, you know what? Your treasure is in heaven. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to give away all of your riches. And he went away sad because he was rich and he didn't want to do it. And Jesus said this, how's this for a quote? How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And his disciples said, what? And then Jesus said this, many who are first will be last and the last first. And his disciples went, what? This is Joe, Joe Crummy paraphrase. And then he says to the 12, it gets even deeper. He says this, the son of man referring to himself, and we looked at this a couple weeks ago, but the suffering servant Jesus fulfilled from the Old Testament. He said this, the son of man will be betrayed, condemned to die, mocked, spit upon, flogged, killed, but three days later he will rise. And his disciples went, what? That's the context. Can you imagine? Jesus just sharing with his disciples, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be beaten, mocked, spit upon, everything. And this is the first thing that happens after he shares that. And we'll pick it up. Mark 10, verse 35. If you're able, why don't you read this together with me, okay? Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. And when the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who were regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great, you must be your, among you, sorry, must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Wow. So as I said, a couple weeks ago, actually a month ago now, over on February 12th, we talked about Jesus' suffering service, how Jesus had to lay down his life. He was the servant. He was the sacrifice. He was our Savior. He gave his life on the cross for the penalty for our sins. He fulfilled everything from the Old Testament. And we saw from that, as in following Jesus, we too, as followers of Jesus, are going to suffer in some different ways. So this is kind of part two, because we didn't have time to look at it all, but we want to look at Jesus as 
the servant. We've been doing this whole thing of beholding Jesus, who Jesus is, his character, his nature, his attributes, and all of his actions. And we, in turn, as Christ followers, we receive our identity from Jesus. And we've been seeing that as Jesus is a servant, therefore we are servants. And as we behold Jesus and we get our identity from him, all of that then dictates our purpose and our actions. It goes in that order. We receive our identity from Christ, therefore we know who we are, therefore we act. And Jesus isn't just our model for life, Jesus is the power to help us live out that life that pleases him. And Jesus is saying, serving has eternal value. And that gets lost in our world today. And I just want to do a quick review that everything we've been talking about really for these last two years is we've been talking about the spiritual formation. Do you remember? I'm probably getting sick of it here. We're all being formed by someone or something. None of us are excluded. We're all being formed and shaped. Our culture is forming and shaping us, and we're saying, time out, we want Jesus to be the one who forms and shapes us. And we have this definition of spiritual formation. If you go to the next slide, I'll just review it. It says this, spiritual formation, this is from Douglas Mulholland, the process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. So we've been focusing a lot, the year and a half, and Mark going through the book of Ephesians, me and different things that we've been talking about with Ollie and Gary and others contributing. We've been talking about how we're formed and shaped, but there's a purpose to it, and it's for the sake of others. And we've been talking about so important for us to develop time with Jesus, to be with Jesus, so that we can become like Jesus. And we see that Jesus is one who served. And we've been talking about this whole framework of life. Do you remember the trellis? We've been talking about how we're getting and establishing patterns and habits and disciplines in our life. Not because they in and of themselves are anything, but what they do as a trellis supports and cultivates growth and the vine is able to grow and bear fruit on having some structure. We're saying, you know what, in our chaotic lives, it's good to have some structure in our lives. It's good to have some habits and patterns and practices that what? That help us be with Jesus. That help us become more like Jesus. And we said this, and I'll go over the definition of framework of life again. It's a pattern of practices, habits, disciplines, patterns, rhythms, whatever terms we want to use that supports our friendship with Jesus so that we bear the fruit of his character, experience his presence in everyday life 24-7 and helps us offer his nourishing life to others, that Jesus, the bread of life, now we're the aroma of Christ, and we bring Christ everywhere we go. So we're beholding, we're being with, we're becoming for the sake of others. And all the goal of these rhythms and practices and habits that we're trying to form and develop, because it's difficult, is for us to grow, to know Jesus more, to become more like Jesus. And we want to keep receiving his love and his truth and his life and his presence and his discipline so we can love God more, and that in turn helps us love others more. Because Jesus was teaching that if we love God, we love others. And Jesus says, if we're loving others, that actually shows that we're loving God. So James and John have been with Jesus almost three years, and yet you can see their thinking. I mean, no wonder the other ten were indignant. But I'll be honest, you know what? I think maybe the other ten were a bit indignant because they're like, man, James, they got to Jesus first before we could ask that question 
It was still a worldly, even with a religious bent. What was it about? It was about position, influence, power. I mean, it's quite something to say to Jesus. Jesus, will, will you do whatever we ask? <laughs> I mean, it's just like, <laughs> Jesus is like, what do you want? Well, we want to sit at your right hand and your left hand. What, why did they want to be at Jesus' right and left hand? Power, influence, importance, position. And folks, if we're honest, to be like, we all kind of have selfish motives like that. Even within following Jesus sometimes, the things we ask for, we can have a bit of mixed motives of why we want them. Because we want to be someone. We want to be important. We want to be noticed. We want to be valued. We want to be accepted. We want to be all those things. And Jesus is saying, worldly power, rulers of the day, what do they do? They use that authority to lord it over people. And Jesus is saying, not so with you. Jesus is saying, if you want to be great, this is how you become great. You become a servant. And you serve. And folks, that's the answer to how can every person, no matter if we're a nobody, how can we become great? It's because we can all serve. And that's going to look different in different ways, but let's flush that out. So one thing we want to see is this, is the foundation of serving is love. That's the number one key. Because it's interesting, if you look at what Jesus says, he kind of gives sort of two extremes about what it is to serve. And this is why we want to establish love as the key. Because Jesus said to his disciples, he said, someday people are going to come, and at the judgment people are going to say this, Jesus, I prophesied in your name. Jesus, I cast out demons in your name. Jesus, I did all these things for you. And Jesus said, I'm going to look at them and say, Apart, depart from me. I never knew you. Whew. That's a sobering wake-up call right there. So before I go much on serving, we've got to come back and say the foundation is, our foundation for serving is we have to know Jesus. <laughs> so our good works don't get us to God, and we can do things even in Jesus' name, but if it isn't from a place of love, Jesus is going to say someday, you did all these things for me, but I never knew you. Do you understand why we're saying we're developing a framework of life, that we want to spend time with Jesus, we want to be in his word, we want to pray together, we want to be in life groups together, we want to do community together, we're trying to figure out some things, how do I relate with God best when I'm on my own, maybe it's going for a run, maybe it's listening to a podcast, maybe, like, it's not one size fits all, but we got to figure out some way that works for us in our personality, how God's made us to connect with Jesus, to be fed by Jesus, to be, he's the vine, we're the branches, we're going to rest, remain, abide in Christ, so that his life comes through us to bring his fruit. So there's one extreme is Jesus saying, you did all these things in my name and I didn't actually know you. And then Jesus, it almost sounds, you know, a bit opposite. But then Jesus says this. When you fed the hungry, when you took in the stranger, when you clothed the naked, when you visited those in prison, you actually did that to me. And in Jesus' teaching, they're like, Jesus, when did we ever do that for you? And Jesus said, when you did it for one of them, you were actually doing it for 
me. Whew, that's a radical thought, isn't it? Jesus is saying, every time you serve a meal, every time you give a donation of clothing, every time you visit someone, every time you take in a stranger, we might think, oh, that person's a bit weird. I'm not even sure. We have a lot of different things. And Jesus is saying, hey, when you do that, guess who you're doing it to? You're doing it for me. Do you see the kind of two extremes? That's why we're starting with love. Because love that doesn't turn into action is missing something. But action without the foundation of love is also missing something. And the Bible throughout describes sin as really this. It's really living a selfish life. And we can flesh that out more. But Adam and Eve, hey, God's holding on us. If we eat this fruit, it's going to taste better than what God's given to us. And the rest of history is really living a life that is for us. But when God gets a hold of our life, and God begins to change us, and we begin to see how far we were from God, and how we deserve a lot of punishment and a lot of bad things, but Jesus took those upon himself at the cross, and instead of us getting that God's wrath, which we deserve because justice has to be served, but Jesus paid the price, and instead Jesus gives us love and gives us sonship and adopts us into his family, and we get to call God Father, and he puts his Holy Spirit in us, and he puts us in a church family, and we get what we don't deserve, and we don't get what we do deserve, and that love is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, and we begin to go, actually, God really does love me as a child. Guess what? That changes us, and we begin to see things differently, and we begin to see my purpose in life is to love God and to love others. That's a process, folks. That is a process. <laughs> but that's the transformation that begins to take place. And that's why we keep coming over and over and over again that we have to receive God's love in order for us to genuinely give away God's love. So we're saying, why are we beholding Jesus? Why are we spending time with Jesus? Why are we becoming in our personal life and as a small group and as our prayer times and our Sunday mornings? Because why? Because they're all opportunities for us to be reminded of who we are in Christ. They're all opportunities for us to experience the love of God, to be filled and to be encouraged and for us to be able to go and serve and serve and serve and be refilled and serve and serve and serve because as we experience his love and his truth personally in time with God by his word his Holy Spirit worship when we reflect when we go for a walk when we read when we're together as encouragement and sorry and being encouraged whether it's our life group prayer time Sunday morning all of those things are opportunities for us to receive and Jesus said to his disciples Freely you have received, now freely give. Because we don't want to burn out. We don't really want to do it with a bad attitude. We don't really want to do it in a cranky sort of way. Ideally, and there's sacrifice involved, but ideally we're being filled and giving out and being filled. And folks, history, as checkered as it is, with Christian and church and everything, and we've said many times before, and we'll say it again, church history, it's messy. The church as a whole has done a lot of things wrong that we have admitted, disagreed with, asked for forgiveness. We're trying not to repeat 
the same mistakes, absolutely. And we have to always take ownership of that and ask for forgiveness and seek to do better. But history is also filled with this. We probably wouldn't have made it this far in history if Christians hadn't have served. In orphanages and hospitals and schools and everything, most of the time it's been Christians who have, in seeking to serve and help their fellow human beings, have helped shape history and have brought so much good to the world. Christians have started orphanages, schools, shelters, hospitals, hospices, helping orphans, impoverished children, the dying, the homeless, the helpless, the sick, elevating the dignity rights of the unborn, of women, advocating on behalf of slaves. So it is a checkered past, but folks, we can't forget there's been a lot of good. Why? Because people have gotten a hold of Jesus changing their life and giving them an outward focus and for the sake of others, serving in many different ways. And the same things happen today. We have countless churches all around the world, and most of them are just doing little things. But they all add up to big things. And plus, we have different things. I'll just name a few, even within our church family here. Folks, we're doing little things, but we're believing that they have eternal value. So every time we help with Kids Club and the crew goes out to visit in homes and with fuel and all the different things that we're involved with. Little things, folks. Giving away some money, helping provide a coat, giving away some food. Most of us don't even know it. And you think, is it, it's just a drop in the bucket of this ocean of need. Folks, it counts. Jesus sees it. We're doing it to Jesus. We have other things like IJM, International Justice Mission, which Bromwin and Rick have been involved in. Rick right now serving even though it's through his profession, his heart is for the sake of others. Twelve neighbors. We got Marcel and Sheila Lebrun here in our city. What a perfect example. Marcel using his career, and there's no way around it. He received a lot of money for his job and his company being sold and all that. And you can say, well, what? And Marcel's like, I want to be a good steward of the money that God's given to me. And I believe it's not just for me, it's for the sake of others. And Marcel took a couple years, went around the world, best practices, how do I help the homeless, all those things, I need it to be sustainable. And he wants to do it from a kingdom perspective, and they're building tiny homes and creating community and all of that. Where's the root of that? Whether he's allowed to say it very much or not. <laughs> it's because I've received love from Jesus, and for the sake of others, I want to serve. And I could go on. We have other local churches that we partner with. The Drive's got incredible clothing bank. We say yes to that Salvation Army with the food that we want to get behind and support. But friends, love is the key. Love is the foundation. It's an ongoing receiving God's love. And yes, there's sacrifices, and sometimes we need time out. We need times of refreshing and restoration, but love is the key. Folks, we don't want to get at the end and say, Jesus, I did all these things for you. And Jesus is saying, I, did, I never knew you. We do want to get at the end and say, Jesus would say, hey, you did all these things for me. And we're like, I, when did I do those for you? <laughs> when you did them for the least of these, you were doing them for me. So kids, 
teens. Everyone. You want to make a difference in life? You want to be great in life? Then this is available for all of us. We can serve with a heart of love. We can serve in church life, but we can serve in our community, wherever God places us. The second thing I just want to point out, and this is just brief, because a lot of people are saying, you know what, Joe? I got physical disabilities. I'm shut in. I can't do very much. I'm old. I'm young. I, we, all legitimate things. And people are like, yeah, if I could do this, if I had money, I would give it away. All these different things. But here's one thing we can all do. Prayer is serving. <laughs> Prayer is serving. Prayer is an essential part of service. In two ways. Prayer helps us to know where to serve and helps us to know and God directs us and gives us guidance. But folks, here's what you have to realize. Prayer is service. So it's not just receiving guidance and everything on how to serve. Prayer is serving. Prayer makes a difference. And folks, this is the only thing Christians can do that nobody else can do. Prayer. We can pray. We can intercede. We sang it this morning. Jesus interceding. What's he doing? He's standing and saying, I am, Father, I'm praying for these people right here. And we can do the same. We can stand in the gap. So even this morning, we were praying, and Kayla was sharing that, you know, about families being restored and praying for God's kingdom. So what am I doing in that? I'm praying for the people I know who aren't part of this church, who don't even know Jesus. I'm praying for them and their physical healing. But above and beyond that, I'm praying for spiritual healing. What am I doing? Just as Kayla's sharing that, God's putting people on my heart, and I'm praying for them. What am I doing? I'm serving by praying for them. Do you see how important that is? And what do all of us, I think I'm making a general statement, but what do all of us say we struggle with the most? Prayer. I don't know how to do it. I don't have time for it. I get busy. I forget about it. Does it really work? Does it make any difference? I don't really feel like, and then we just What impacted the disciples? Jesus praying. Jesus teaches how to pray. So Jesus prayed a lot, and Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. It says Jesus was praying. He's led by the Holy Spirit, and he did 40 days of prayer and fasting before he began his public ministry. A lot of times he withdrew to pray and receive the Father's leading. He said, I only do what I see the Father is saying and doing. I only speak what the Father gives me to say before he picked this 12 disciples he spent a whole night in prayer so obviously prayer is really key for receiving guidance and direction and leading by the holy spirit absolutely and we're empowered and we're guided and we're prepared all those things is true and that's part of prayer it's relationship with god and as steve was just saying you know it was great lifting that incense to god it's our prayer it doesn't have to be in church or a prayer meeting although those are really key you can pray at your work you can pray under your breath you can pray you're like, God, I can't even say anything right now, but you can hear my heart and everything. Folks, prayer is one of the best ways we can serve our church and one another. Folks, you have to realize how many times have I said it in the last 26 years? A million times. We are in a battle. It's a spiritual one. Paul says it's not just against flesh and blood. People are mad at you and all that. It's not just to do with all that. It's a spiritual and how do we battle spiritual things? We have spiritual weapons. And when we pray, we resist the spiritual forces of evil that blind and influence people, even if people don't believe those things even exist. 
Paul in Ephesians 6, we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. <laughs> Prayer is a battle. It requires time and energy. That means it's serving. And yes, there's a mystery to it, but folks, every time we pray, it's an act of defiance against Satan and all evil. Say, no, I'm going to stand in the gap, and we're praying for God's kingdom to come, for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. That's an act of defiance against all evil. You want to make your life important? You want to battle ill in society? One of the things you can do is serve by praying and interceding. And even if no one else sees it, Jesus said, go in your prayer closet. No one even has to know. But what is done in secret, we always think what's done in secret is a bad thing. Oh, hope no one sees what's doing in secret. Jesus said, when you give, give in secret. When you pray, give, pray in secret, and the Father sees even if no one else sees it. So folks, greatness is this. Greatness is, I'm going to pray. I'm going to serve by praying and interceding. And the Holy Spirit's actually going to help me. And the Holy Spirit's going to take some things I can't even put words to, and he's going to take them to the Father, and the Father's going to understand it, even if I don't. And sometimes it's just being still and silent. Sometimes it's going to be active and I am crying out to God. Sometimes it's going to be tears. Sometimes it's going to be, I don't feel a thing, but I'm going to be obedient. It all counts. It counts in heaven. In the book of Revelation, where most of that song we are singing comes from, that's what Steve was referring to. This incense that was coming is the prayers of the people throughout the ages. God, we want that incense to rise. And it's our prayers. So people are serving every time we pray. So this morning there was Nancy and Pam and Marley and Gail and Kim and John Waugh all praying before the meeting for an hour before the meeting. No one sees them. They're up there. No one even knows they're there. But guess what, folks? There's some greatness there. Why? Because they're nothing that special, to be honest, even though they're awesome. But they're serving by praying. And a lot of the good things that come from this meeting, I believe, are answered from those prayers. And I know many of you are praying throughout the week, so that we don't even know about. But it counts. So love is a key. Prayer is a key part of serving. And of course it leads to action. And a lot of us are, I want to serve, but how? Folks, there's as many different ways to serve as there are people in situations. And I wish I had the time to go through all these different examples because I'd love to. But for those who are serving Kids Club Saturday morning, you're giving up a Saturday morning, you're giving up a Friday night to visit people, you're serving. Our crew that are up with our kids right now, serving. Win Nogler, bless him, I'm going to say, I won't say his age, but he's above 50. And a lot of times, I say to Win, what? I thought you were only 50. So much energy. Win, helping at Devon Middle School, helping Graham, his son-in-law, 
just by going in, serving, helping in woodshop class, and seeing one kid's terrible attitude and behavior slightly change. That's a win for win. That's a win for the kingdom of God, because I know that foundation of win serving is from love and prayer. And it's such a, you can think just a little bit, am I making any difference? I got all these cranky kids who don't even want to be here, but over a few weeks, just seeing an attitude change. Folks, that's the kingdom of God. And I've got so many different examples of that from all of you that nobody else even knows about, but Jesus sees it. And sometimes we can say there's so many needs, it's so overwhelming, and we can do the two extremes. One, we can do nothing, we're just like, bah, there's just so much, I can't do anything. Or, we try to do everything, and we quickly fade or we burn out, which isn't good. So I just encourage you, you just ask God this week, maybe just what's one thing I can do? At my workplace, at my school, whatever context you might be. And I'm going to give example from our church life. And here's an example. So several years ago in the 90s, um, a guy named Pete Chalmers, God got a hold of his life. And Pete was involved in our church for many, many years. And uh, his wife Donna. And they had four daughters. And I think three of them are sitting here this morning. And God, talk about Kayla, talk about a family getting restored. And God got a hold of that family. And one by one, despite their opposition, <laughs> big opposition, one by one, each one of that family got saved, and God did an incredible healing in that family. And God got a hold of Pete's life, and Pete was an airline pilot, and so from a worldly standard, I mean, pilots well-respected, you know, that's a, good, that's a good thing to go for, and we need good godly pilots, don't get me wrong. But God got a hold of Pete's life and Kelly's life, who's here, and I don't go to Kim's life and Krista's and Carrie's and Donna's and extended family and Phil and others. Finally, Phil. Finally. <laughs> Resistance is futile, can I just say. So God got a hold of Pete's life and Kelly's life, and it's too long a story, and someday Kelly will share it, and some of you have heard it before. But just this growing desire of wanting to serve. And they went to a conference and really felt God spoke to them and separately. But folks, it started like really small, okay? It started like with how many sandwiches in a pot? Three? Five? One? Yeah, wasn't quite five loaves and two fishes, but it was close. Six sandwiches and six cans of pot. And without them knowing it, both kind of doing it at the same time. And just a simple thing, you can think, what's a sandwich in a pot? Really, what? But God was in it. And so that continued. At the same time, we as a church were small. There wasn't many of us. But we had a heart. We want to serve and help our community. And back then, this is like 97, 98, 99. So this is a long time ago. You can see how old I am. We were like, we can't do everything, but we can do something. And we can do one thing. And so what we did is, at the time, the uh, community kitchen at the time was only had enough money to really provide one meal a day. If you, so now like, there's meals every day and the government helps provide it and all that, which is good. But at the time, there weren't meals at every meal time. And so volunteers, so we took on one Wednesday, you guys remember? 
one Wednesday a month, we made a meal for the soup kitchen, and we were able to go. And you think, it may, like, really does one meal a month. That, but that's all we could do, honestly. Like, we were doing well to get ourselves organized to do that. <laughs> and we did that for a couple of years, and we built relationship, because you actually, the good thing about that is you could actually go and serve. And so you can kind of pray for people on the side, and you kind of pray for people in your breast as you did that. And in 1999, God provided us a building on 487 Brunswick Street, which is a whole other story. And we see some things combined. We believe the Holy Spirit leading us. Is one of the greatest needs in our downtown community at the time was there was just no place to go to hang out. So you went to King's Place, you were loitering, you get kicked out. Like, and so God provided a building, and the drop-in started, and we provided an opportunity for like 20 years of a safe place for people to come be together, and we were able to share Jesus' love in word and deed, and the sandwich run grew and developed and fed hundreds every couple of weeks and all of that. Where did that all come? It came through prayer. It came through lives being changed. It came from Jesus getting hold of people's lives. Foundation was love. Prayer, prayer both led that and prayer was serving. We prayed for a ton of people over those years and helped serve and we won't know the effects of that, really, until eternity. Now, that had a 20-year run, and we believe God brought that to a close, which was really painful. It was a tough thing. It's like, well, we've always done this for 20 years, and it was really hard to discern. And we, but God changed buildings. We weren't downtown anymore. Pete passed away. Kelly felt a different. And can I just say the change in Kelly, because this is true. This is how God changes and loves the foundation. Kelly loved animals more than she did people, Okay. And we can laugh, but that's true. So the last thing Kelly wanted to do was actually help people, if I can put words in her mouth. But she's saying, right, mm-hmm. So what I'm saying about love being the foundation, Kelly's just like, I'm not gonna make a difference to society, I'm gonna do something. No, God had to change her heart. And then she was obedient in doing that. Now folks, what we believe right now, because here we are in 2023, different location, different building, different season, different time, is we have a stirring that God probably wants us as a church to, to be involved in serving corporately some other way. And right now we're doing that mainly through kids club and visitation and helping. And that might be it and it might continue. And we believe 12 neighbors is in this side of the building and we believe God's provided a venue for them to be able to serve. And by sort of addition or by connection, we're helping in that way. But I do think God has something else for us. And so part of this message is just saying, we've just been waiting, and we could go do a, lot, a whole bunch of different things, but without really hearing from God, I don't know how sustainable that would be. And it might just start small, that most of those things just started small, and God grew them. And I really don't know what the next thing is, but that's part of what we've been praying and seeking God for. And of course, we can always serve even while we're waiting. So we've been giving away money and giving away clothes and different things all the way through. You don't have to, but collectively as a church, we just feel like we haven't hit the right thing yet as we did for those 20 years. But we're trusting God's gonna guide us and lead us with that. So folks, in conclusion, Jesus came to serve. 
as we put our faith and trust and hope in Jesus, as we behold Jesus, as Jesus begins to change our hearts and our priorities, Jesus changes our definition of what greatness is. It's not position, influence, money, wealth, education, although God can use all of those things. It says it's to serve. Love is the key. We have to receive love from God in order to keep giving away love. Prayer is key. In prayer, God leads us and guides us, but folks, prayer is service. It's important. It's key. So we're going to gather tonight, and we're going to call on God to make a difference in different things. That's serving our community. And folks, it does lead to action. And I'm hesitant to define it too much because for every person in every row and aisle here and watching online, it looks different for every single one of us because we're all in different places and we all have different opportunities. And some of us can help financially, some of us can help practically, physically, some of us can help with our prayers. There's so many different ways. But the great thing is everybody's included. <laughs> we can find our greatness in serving, even if we don't maybe see it and so we reach heaven and eternity, and Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you for serving me. And I think a few of us are going to go, what? <laughs> I didn't know I was serving you. Well, when you did that, you were serving me. If you're able, why don't you stand? We're just going to pray. We're going to ask God to help us individually, but also for us as a church, that there might be some ways we can together serve as we did sort of in that period with drop-in and sandwich run. All right, so let, can I lead, lead us in that prayer? Father in heaven, we want to thank you so much, again, for sending your son Jesus, that you have a heart to serve. Jesus, we thank you that you as the suffering servant were obedient. You went to the cross. You paid the price. Justice was served, and yet mercy was met. Forgiveness was granted. Lord, we thank you for that incredible truth that justice was served, yet forgiveness was granted. God, we thank you that as Christ followers, we live in the good of that. And Lord, I just pray for each one of us, for those listening online, God, would you continue to change our hearts, Lord? Would you continue, Lord, to chip away so that we're not so selfish? God, that you would fill us with your love that leads to praying and leads to action and serving. That, Lord, we want to make a difference with our lives, God, but it, it's not as maybe as the world sees it, Lord. We want to, even if no one else sees it, God, as we serve and as we pray, Jesus, you see it. May you be glorified. And, Lord, we pray as a church, would you lead us and guide us, Lord, if there's something more collectively we're to do as a church family to be serving, God, would you show us and reveal us? God, would you give us willing hearts, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.